don't know about that, but hey, we'll, we'll take it. Very few people like to be corrected on anything. You see why I say nobody say nothing. Nobody wants to be corrected. But correction is a, is a necessary thing if we're going to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. None of us has it all together. A little more amens, but the rest of you, you you're in there too. Don't worry. Galatians chapter number 2. I don't like being corrected. I hate it. And I'm sure, am I supposed to turn something on or something? I, oh, did they? It was probably me. I got people waving at me and stuff. I was going to wave at them back, amen. I said, I'm just going to wave back. It's on. I didn't do anything. I'll just put it in my pocket, amen. Something happened. Light's been green since you gave it to me. I guess it's okay. Are we good? I don't know. I'm just, I'm just going to put it in the pocket and let it ride. I'm, no, it's okay. This is your church. I'm just a guest, amen? I don't get wound up in church anymore. Well, that's debatable. But nobody wants to be corrected. I certainly don't like being corrected. Who wants to be corrected? It stings. It hurts. But it's necessary for correction to, if you have the, um, the wherewithal to take correction and put it into practice, you'll be better off for it. Now, we, we love to tell our children, you don't listen, and you need to do what I tell you. But we act the same way with leadership and God. We do. We act the same way with God. And I can't help but wonder if God doesn't say, why don't you just listen? You know, you need correction. And then when we get corrected from God, who knows how to correct us really good, we don't really want that. But correction is necessary if you really love people. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. You know, Spare the rod, spoil the child. That's in the Bible. No. He that spareth his rod hateth his son. That's in the Bible. We don't, I have people that tell me that they have a better way of disciplining than God. I don't buy it. And I'm not saying you go out there and you drown a kid in a snowbank, amen? Don't do that. Because they're coming to get you. And they need to come and get you. But children need to be corrected. And children of God need to be corrected. And sometimes leaders need to be corrected. This morning, we, we have a lady in our church. She's our, um, she's our vet, and she's also one of the ladies that sings at our church. And, um, and she was, uh, I gave her a passage to read. And, uh, and she said, uh, can, can, I, can, I, can I share something with you? I said, sure, share whatever you want with me. As long as it ain't correction, amen? And she said, you know, um, this, uh, this, this first John, I had, I had read all week John 5, and I didn't know the difference. And when that thing came up and I started to read it, I was way off. 
So I just said, hey, it's up there. I must read it. I said, yes, <laughs> you got to read it. And she said, you know what? I did not know. I did not know that she didn't know the difference between the gospel according to John and 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. And she's only been saved six months. I should have known that. But here's what we think. We think because we've been saved all these years that everybody's somewhere near where we are. But not, not as close because we're so prideful, amen? And then I, I'm just thinking, yeah. And then I said to her instinctively, I said, Jackie, I said, your education level where you are now in your professional life is nowhere near where it was when you were in kindergarten. Am I right? She said, absolutely right. I said, well, you're in kindergarten now in the scriptures, right? And you're not nearly where you are in your professional life. I felt pretty good about myself about that, amen? I said, I was able to give her some wonderful wisdom. You ever, you ever notice that God always has a one, some wonderful wisdom for you, for, for your little pride? What, what is your name, sir? David. I came in here and David played again. My wife looked at me with that look like, you'll never play like that again. <laughs> and I had to roll back to what I said to Jackie. You remember the last time Bob Crichton was here and that young man, the 20-year-old young man was over here playing the piano? Oh, yeah. That was on a Sunday. The next day was my first music lesson, right? First. I knew, C, I knew C, middle C from online, going online. It was my first lesson the next day. You know what my wife told me that night when I was here at Harvest? And that guy, was, he was killing it over there? You'll never play like that. I don't know how I've not made it without, you know, jumping off a cliff or a bridge somewhere, amen? She gave me that look today, and she said, I ain't going to say it. You know what I was reminded? You're not there yet either. You're not there. You're not there musically, and you're not there spiritually. And the only way that you're ever going to get there is to take some correction. And you know what none of us want? To be corrected. And we take offense that somebody would literally confront us and correct our bad behavior. The Apostle Paul didn't care if he upset somebody or hurt their feelings. The Apostle Paul was willing to do what was right. And it mattered not to him what your status was, who you were, where you came from, how long you've been saved, or if you'd walked with Jesus. Paul made it a point to stand on the scriptures and to confront when necessary. Galatians chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. Peter, him and Andrew, we're up there at the Sea of Galilee. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Said that to them and James and John. Hey, he was one of the in crowd. You remember when uh, Jairus came? Jairus said, Jesus, you know, my little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and heal her and she shall live. 
Then Jesus gets to where the man lived and them that were with him. Peter, James and John went into with with Jesus and he said, Talitha Kumai, which being interpreted as arise. Damsel, I say, arise. And she got up and they gave her something to eat. When Jesus in Matthew 17 was on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James and John went there and said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Peter was the he was one of the apostles. He wrote two books. Peter was there, denied the Lord, but he preached a powerful message on Pentecost. And 3,000 souls got saved. Peter, Peter, who should have known better because at Cornelius' house in chapter number 10 of the book of Acts, God has shown him that he shouldn't call anything common or unclean. Arise, Peter, kill and eat. Not so, Lord. How in the world can you say something like that? Well, we do it all the time. He's getting ready. He's correcting Peter on some things. He says, what God had cleansed, call that not common or unclean. This is Peter. Peter goes up to Antioch sometime after the council of Acts chapter number 15, when Barnabas, Titus and uh, Paul go up to answer the question of whether a person can be saved without being circumcised after Paul had done his or gone on his first missionary journey and started those churches there in Antioch in Pisidia, Iconium, Lystra and Derby, and then back through them. And he goes back to the church at Antioch, reports to the church, goes down to Jerusalem with Barnabas, with Titus and reports to or goes to James and the apostles to answer this matter. And Peter stands up and preaches and explains this thing about the Gentiles. After they go back, sometime after, most likely Acts 15, 34, during the time that Paul and Barnabas were still there in Antioch before Paul and Barnabas got into a fight and Paul goes to mainland and Barnabas takes Mark and goes to Cyprus. Paul goes with Silas. Somewhere between then, Peter decides he's going to go to Antioch and he comes. He comes to Antioch in Syria, that church. Actually, you can trace our... You can chase our King James Bible back to the church at Antioch or the Byzantine church. Anyway, just a little freebie. Didn't get a chance to say that much. Anyway, I can say that here, can I? Amen. Because I'm going to say it. <laughs> Not to the preacher. I mean, me and, me and Pastor Marty, we're friends. We've been friends a long time. And uh, anyway, we got to get back to this. We got to get back to this. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. I like that. Paul got right in his face. We, we don't like that. We don't want nobody in our face. We don't want nobody saying stuff. We don't want anybody confronting us with anything. Verse number 12. For before that, certain came from James. He did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him insomuch that Barnabas also was carried about with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly, according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, if thou being a Jew livest after the manner of Gentiles and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? Here's what Paul says. They're having fellowship at the church at Antioch. 
Everything's good. Barnabas is sitting there. Peter comes in. Peter sits down. They offer him some bacon and ham and some sausage, maybe some tasso. You have to be from Louisiana to know what that is. And some boudin, same thing. Some gumbo. And Peter said, man, I like this. This is good. Next thing you know, here come some Judaizers or Jewish folks from, 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 from Jerusalem. And they, look at, and they look at Peter and say, are, are you crazy? Why are you eating with those people? What do you mean, those people? Yeah, you eating that stuff and with those people. Now, Pete, you already knew and you already said back in chapter 10 of Acts that God has already taught you that what's clean, don't call common or unclean. What I've cleansed, don't do that. Now, Peter is influenced by these guys and he goes over with them and then Barnabas looks at him and Barnabas goes over there with him along with some other Jews. And Paul stays right where he's at. And he says to Peter, are you crazy? You must be out of your mind. This is the thing we talked about up there at the council. This is the thing you talked about at the council. This is what you, re you, this is what you rehearsed in chapter number 10 of the book of Acts. How in the world would you ever do that? Now, here's what Paul does. Paul says, you need some correction. Now, some of us, we've been saved so long. Here's what we think. We think we're past correction. We need to be corrected too, amen? Because sometimes the older we get, the worser we get. Amen? We ain't nearly as on fire as we used to be for God. And then when somebody confronts us, I've been saved 30 years, so? I know some people have been saved 30 years too. Paul, instead of keeping... This particular episode of church conflict in secret, he exposes the details in front of everybody. He confronts the apostle Peter in front of everybody and doesn't wait till after the church and brings him to the office. He deals with him right there on the spot and in his face. And the reason he needed that was because he was way off base. The fear of man bringeth a snare. And that's exactly what Pete's problem was. He feared those men that came up from Jerusalem. And instead of doing what was right and standing over here with these folks over here in this church, there wasn't nothing wrong with them folks in that church. Wasn't nothing wrong with those people that had gotten saved. Wasn't nothing wrong with those people in that cosmopolitan church that we see in Acts 13, where Niger was there. Many and who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. Barnabas and Saul. It was a cosmopolitan church. There wasn't nothing wrong with that Gentile church. That church, that church was doing a wonderful job for God. And next thing you know, here comes Pete. And Pete's going to go over here with these guys after he knew what was right. Paul said, you must be out of your mind. I'm about to straighten you out in front of all these people. Because what he had done, he did out in the open. And here's what Paul knew he had to do. He had to correct that man regardless of his status, where he came from, whom he walked with. And what he knew, he needed to be corrected. And at that time, remember, Paul has just been back from a missionary journey. He's been back from Jerusalem on his council. Peter had been walking with the Lord for years, or for those three and a half years. And, and Peter was a little more well-known than Paul at that time in some circles. And that being the case, 
Hey, it might have been a little hard to go against one of the guys who actually walked with Jesus. Not for Paul, though, because Paul knew what was right was right. And what was wrong was wrong. And you offended those people because you were fearing these people. And you want these you want these people. You don't even live like these people. And you want these people to live like these people. You don't even live like that. So he confronts him. And he says, this has to stop. This is done in Antioch. What is the cause of his correction? What time do you normally get through? 6.30? Oh, 6.30. We started at 5, amen? I was thinking 6.30. I'm already done. I won't be done at 6.30. I'll be done quite quite quicker than that, amen? What caused the correction? Number one, the inconsistency of Peter. For before certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles, but when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. Verse 12. Whenever you're inconsistent, you don't come down somewhere. Hey, if you don't know something, you just don't know. But you can't fear what people say and what people do. You know what a lot of folks try to get you to do? Do what they want you to do. That's what the Judaizers, they, they wanted Pete to do what, he, what they were doing. And you know what he did? He bought into it. Hey, I do things a little different at our church, amen? And we're going to continue to do things a little different at our church. We're not changing the scriptures, amen? We're not, we're not, changing, we're not changing the 1611. We don't, we're not doing that. But we do things a little bit different. And there's always, there'll always be some that'll say, you know, why don't you do this? Really didn't ask you, amen? And we're not going to do that. We're going to do what we believe is right for our church, our church is a cosmopolitan church, just like at Antioch. Amen. Our, our makeup is just like the community of Windsor. 50-50, right down the line. We do things a little bit different. We sing, we sing a lot of hymns just like you sing. Matter of fact, your hymnal is similar to our hymnal. Our hymnal, actually, we got five hymnals. We're just being prideful. But we have, a, because there's certain hymns that we like. There's, there's, there's hymns that we like out of the Wilds book. There's hymns that we like out of the uh, Rejoice hymnal. There's, our major hymnal is the Songs and Hymns of the Heart. It's the same, comes from the same uh, publisher that you use your hymnal from. But there's one hymnal that we love that's Songs of Zion, a Methodist hymnal, um, that is more of a, a um, you'll be all right. It's a black hymnal, amen? You, you'll be all right. You can take that. doesn't matter. And we love some of those old um, spirituals, well, we combine all of it, amen? I'm on the winning side. The only thing I don't like about the I'm on the winning side in this one is it's in the key of A flat. It's in the key of G in our book, praise the Lord, amen? You know what I'm talking about? Hey, either one. You see that guy over there, amen? He's boasting and proud. He needs some correction, amen? He's just good, amen? He's practiced, I wanted to go home and say, hey, just light the piano on fire and let's call it a day and we'll just put the music back through the, through the, uh, through the, through the microphone and then <laughs> listening to that. I, I'm not coming back to this church no more. No way. I get discouraged coming here. Amen. Next time he's out, call me. I'll be here. Amen. I want to feel encouraged when I show up at this church. Pete was inconsistent, church. Whenever you're inconsistent, you can fall for the flattery of men or for the 
fear of man that bringeth a snare. And Peter did some things that were out of line. And Paul checked him on that. And it didn't bother Paul either. Paul was, uh, Peter was inconsistent, but he was also intimidated, fearing them which were of the circumcision. He shouldn't have feared these guys. Wasn't nothing wrong with the way these folks or what they were eating and the things they were doing at their church. Matter of fact, it was day church, not Peter's. Some folks seem to forget that, amen? I'm a guest here, amen? This is not the church that I'm a member of. I'm just a guest. I've got no right to give you what, I, give you what may, we may disagree on. Some guys think they can do that. You better not do it where we are, because I'll stop you anyway. I had to stop a guy like that before. I won't say his name because some of you know him real well. I put the brakes on him. You're not going to say what you want to say at this church. You must be crazy. And I don't care if, you're, if your schedule's full for 52 weeks of the year. It'll be 51 you come over here saying that crazy stuff you said before. Because you'll sit down right there and I'll preach to you. I better not say it because some of us say, really? Really? Nah, I ain't got time for all that crazy stuff. I'm not coming here straightening out this church. That's not my job. That's the pastor. Your pastor, can he knows you better than I do. I don't know you. There's people I know here for 20 years. I still don't know your name, amen? I know your face. Pastor will say, you know so-and-so? I said, never heard of him. He's been here for 20 years. I said, I know him, but I just don't know what his name is. I'm sure I know him. And then I just say, shake his hand and say, hey, brother, how you doing? You know what that means? I don't know your name. <laughs> God bless you, brother. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's the fundamentalist way of saying I don't remember you. He was intimidated. Pete was intimidated by these folks, and he was inconsistent. Whenever you fear a man, especially as a leader, you know what's right to do. You know it's going to be a hard decision. You know people aren't going to like it. You know it's hard. You know it's going to go against the grain. And yet you are influenced by these, and you go over there when you know good and well you shouldn't be moving. Because there ain't nothing wrong with these folks over here. There wasn't nothing wrong with the, the way they was worshiping in Antioch. There wasn't nothing wrong with their church. There wasn't nothing wrong with the makeup. There wasn't nothing wrong with the fellowship hall. There wasn't nothing wrong with the ham sandwiches. Nothing. And Peter knew it. But he was, fear, he was fearful of men. He was intimidated and he was inconsistent. And then in verse number 13, and the other Jews dissembled likewise with him insomuch that Barnabas also was carried about in the dissimulation. So Barnabas got caught up in this too. Barnabas? Wait a minute, Barnabas, hold on. You were the guy that when you found out what was going on up in Antioch, they sent you up there to check out what was going on. And when you realized that this thing was a little too much for you, you went over into Tarsus and grabbed Paul. And you brought him over there and both of you became leaders in that church. And then in chapter 13, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And they leave and they go to Seleucia to that port city, then to Salamis uh, and then Paphos. And then they go into, uh, the, into uh, Asia Minor or actually not Asia Minor, but lower Galatia. And then they end up in, uh, of course, Perga where John Mark leaves. And then from there, Antioch and Pisidia, Iconium, Lystra, where he gets stoned. Derby back through Adaliah, back into 
um, Seleucia, the port city, and then to the church at Antioch. All this time, I don't know how long it took. Some say two years. I don't know how long it took. I have no idea. I just know it was a considerable amount of time that Barnabas and Paul were together. And yet, Barnabas was influenced by one of the big guns. You know what sometimes we can do? We can hear this guy's name, and we can be influenced. Let me help you out. Knoxville and Lancaster, they don't make decisions for Grace Baptist. The people at 830 Marshall Phelps make the decisions for Grace Baptist under the leadership of the pastor. I don't get, I don't get my marching orders from no college or no other preachers, no top guns. Tom Cruise is an old man. Amen. We get our marching orders from the word of God. And we serve the Lord and we follow the Lord. You know what? I'm thankful for guys that have good-sized ministries. But you know what? I'm content with my 50 people. Amen? I'm happy with that. I'm happy I ain't going nowhere. I'm, I'm, too, I'm too old to start looking for other places. Don't nobody want me. And uh, I can't afford a house now anyway. Amen. <laughs> I'm happy where I am. And it's taken all this time to say, you know what? Just buckle down and just stay right there. People are going to come. People are going to go. People are going to try to push you one way. People are going to try to push you the other way. Some people are going to want you to do this. Some people are going to want you to do that. Stay right there and keep doing what you're doing and keep preaching and keep standing, standing strong and true to the word of God. Because I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. Some of these big guns are going to try to influence you to make decisions because they, make, they made some decisions. I don't care what they do. Because number one, they ain't coming up here. Amen. Ain't none of them getting in the plow. Ain't none of them getting the, uh, uh, I don't care what they're doing in Cape Coral, Florida. Real quick side note, I saw a car, I saw a truck in Rhode Island the other day when I was delivering oil that had Florida plates on it with a plow on it. <laughs> you know that guy was getting around the system, amen? I've lived in Florida. There ain't a place in Florida you're going to plow anything except the field, amen? That's about it. Where am I going with this? I'll tell you where I'm going with it. If you're not careful, Barnabas, you went with Paul. You saw those churches. You watched Paul nearly die in Lystra. You watched them leave Antioch and Pisidia and track down Paul and you when you got to Iconium. You could have very easily left Derby and gone the mainland back to Antioch, but you went back through the churches. You know why? Tell you why they went back through, because Acts chapter number 14, 12, 22 and 23 says that, the, that they left elders in every city because Paul wasn't going to just leave churches without leadership. This kind of crazy stuff where preachers just get up and leave and just walk away and say God said that they did. You're crazy. I'm just going to walk away from some people that I believe God's put me in. And I'm just going to walk away from them. They don't mean nothing. Preachers do it all the time because they're trying to pad their resume and trying to work their way up the stairs. Why don't you just be glad you got 25 people that love God and love you. And so what if you have to work a part-time job? Just get back to serving God because we love Jesus. What was the problem? He was influenced. Barnabas was influenced by one of the big guns, one of the big name preachers. We can't afford them and they ain't coming. I got a system pastor. We give him a little stipend and he can preach for me. That's it. I don't I don't need these other guys to come up for what? 
Now, we're going to have a special day with Brother Edward. Brother Edward Dixon, he's the pastor of Camden Baptist Church down in St. Mary's. He, he, Donnie Davis was his daddy, and um, uh, he's right outside a sub-base, kind of like over here in Groton. There's a sub-base there. Say, um, what's the name of that thing? What's the name of that sub-base? Uh, sub-base in uh, Camden County, Georgia. Kings Bay, naval sub-base. And uh, I was a soldier at Fort Stewart, Georgia. I got back from, uh, from Desert Storm, and my sister was in the Navy, and her husband was in the Marines, and they were stationed there. And I went down there for a service to get her off my back, and I got saved. I got saved. A guy named Leon Carson preached on Agrippa, and uh, Brother Edward led me to Christ. Pray with me. Pray with me right, right over on the side of Camden Baptist Church. And uh, Brother, Ed, Brother Edward, uh, um, he's going to come up, and his son, Jared, uh, is, a, is a fiery preacher. He preaches with some fellow named C.T. Townsend. You know that guy? I don't know him. I've kind of heard of him, but I don't know him. He's, some, he's way up there. He's one of these big wig guys, I guess. But uh, anyway, Jared is uh, going to preach for us too that Sunday night. Jared, his son. And uh, I remember when Jared was getting switches in church, amen? Man, I used to feel so bad for him. He got a whooping every Sunday. <laughs> Something told me he got one more than just every Sunday, amen? Man, he would whoop that boy right in front of every... He stopped service. Wait, hold on. He's crying. Faith, take him out of here. Get back up there and get to going. I'm thinking, these some crazy folks up here, but they seem like they love Jesus, and I just got saved, and I don't know any better, so maybe I should whoop my kids in, in church, amen? I didn't do it. I didn't have enough to do it, but they got some good ones, but not in church. Well, at least not in the auditorium. Anyway, he was influenced. Peter influenced Barnabas, and Barnabas spent more time with Paul than he ever spent with Peter. It's possible that the reason he got influenced was because of his title and who he was. You know, as preachers, if we're not careful, we'll let folks influence us because they got the big ministries, because they got the Bible schools or the Christian schools, or I'm telling you right now, I don't want no Christian school. I can't, I can't handle that. I'd whoop every kid in there. Then I'd go after their daddy, and then when I'm through with their daddy, I'm looking for their granddaddy, amen. I'm just saying, we put these guys on a pedestal that somehow, some way, Brother Marty, that because they got or attained all this stuff, that their calling's a little higher than ours. Hey, you familiar with St. Mark, St. Matthew, St. Luke, St. John? Here's the fifth, St. Happening. <laughs> it ain't, hey, we got the same calling. Amen. You know what? You know what some of these big guns will never do? They won't take no correction from guys down here like us. But I'll give it to you. Because I gave it to one guy, come to our church, think he's going to straighten our church out. I said, let me tell you something, you ain't preaching here. I've been on the road 48 weeks. I don't care where you've been. I don't care about your bus. I don't care about your, your history. I don't care about how that you can make people laugh. I don't care that you got a bankroll. You're going to sit here and get some preaching. And then when, you, when I'm finished with you, you ain't coming back. Because you're not going to talk about these people in this church that God's given me the responsibility over them. And I'm going to tell you something. Some of you would be surprised if I said that name because you know exactly who I personally. 
And he said, nah, that never happened. Okay. Here's what some of these folks get. They get to the place where they're up here somewhere, and they can tell you, hey, you, you do what I say. Now, they won't say it like that. They'll spiritualize it. Now, brother, stop. No. I ain't doing, I'm not doing that, and I'm not putting up with that, and you're not going to influence me like that. Because I've got to pass to this church after you try to tear it down and, you know, walk out with a, with a big offering as you work the church and jack the church up. And then I'm trying to put it back together as you walk in and, and a family that I've been praying for for about a year and a half finally comes that morning and you showed up and destroyed it. And I never can get them back. So you know what I do? I just preach. So if people come and go, I got nobody to blame but me. The cause of the correction Peter was inconsistent, Peter was intimidated, and Peter was influenced. Then he corrects him. I want to give you three, three, just three simple principles and we'll be done tonight. Number one, this was powerful. He said, I withstood him to the face. He got right in his face and he said, Peter, are you crazy? Are you out of your mind? It was personal. Not only was it powerful, it was personal. I withstood him to the face. He didn't call him on the phone. He didn't do a live stream. I'm going to correct this guy online. I'm going to talk to this guy through Facebook. I'm going to tell you what I think about you on Facebook. I got an idea. Why don't you go to his house and knock on his door? Instead of getting all that crazy stuff going on and that, that you're a member of this church and doing all that crazy stuff. And then folks say, Harvest Baptist Church. I tell folks at our church, hey, don't say crazy stuff on Facebook. And you're a member of this church and they see a logo of the church. I'm going to do all I can to try to find out how we can get rid of that logo on your Facebook page. This correction was powerful and it was personal. There are some times that it's best to take somebody aside. You don't have to blast people every time you see them. You don't have to put them on blast. You just don't. Matter of fact, it's better if you can take somebody aside and, and correct them gently. Like, like it says in Matthew 18, 15 through 17. Go to your brother. But there are times, as we see in 1 Corinthians 5, Hey, this thing was open and all. Hey, this guy was living with his stepmother. He's doing a little bit more than living. Hey, you know what Paul said? You need to deliver him to such a one, such, deliver him to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. There has to be discipline, and it needs to be out in the open. It needs to be immediately. What are you saying? It was powerful, it was personal, but it was public. Here's what he said. I said unto Peter before them all, Sometimes you're going to have to be corrected in front of people when you act crazy. You can't come up to Grace Baptist Church and say crazy stuff from the pulpit to the people that God has entrusted me with. And I'm just going to stand there and say, well, that'll be all right. We can figure that out. And we ain't figuring nothing out. You're finished. Sit down. I'll finish this. Say, I don't think you do it. I'll give you an illustration. We, we were, um, I had just got here. And um, my, my song leader, two weeks to the day of me getting here, he had aneurysm. They did a procedure at, um, at uh, St. Francis. And um, 
did a coiling procedure, it went bad, he had a massive stroke, he never recovered, and about four months later, he ended up passing away. And um, we had a, a wake for him, and, and um, you just have to understand, um, uh, the way f- folks do things in Jamaica is a little different than the way we do things here. And so the, the wake, it was, it was a wake on Friday, in this, in the, uh, uh, the funeral was on, on Saturday. And the wake was from seven to nine. Translation, seven to 10. And I'm telling you, the place was packed. I remember sitting on the platform and folks said, I said to the widow, she said, I want to have an open thing so that people can say whatever they want. I said, no. Those, those are scary sometimes, aren't they? Those can be scary because somebody gets up and they start saying something crazy. You just, sometimes you have to go with it. And so I'm over here and what I, I just said, you know, I just kind of did a screening process real quick because I just kind of, hey, whatever you say up here, I'm going to have to clean this up after somebody does something crazy. Sure enough, I just I knew it was going to happen. And then this crazy looking dude come up. I'm just telling you, something said, tell the guy we're finished. Tell him, sorry, it's. And so I'm asking him questions and, and he, he's got this bad attitude. And I'm saying, and everybody's up there looking at me because somebody's talking and I'm over here talking to this guy. And I'm saying, how in the world am I going to tell this guy no? And then finally he says, I'm his next door neighbor. I did it and I shouldn't have did it. So I let him. I said, you're next. And he gets up there and he uses the name of the Lord in vain. And so I'm standing there. I said, hey, I'm trying to be nice about it. He just keeps going. I said, hey, Mac, you're finished. Go sit down now. There was people who wasn't paying attention. All of a sudden, everybody was paying attention. And I looked down at the widow and I said, you know, kind of like, this was coming. I'll tell you what you're not going to do. You're not going to stand in a pulpit at any pulpit and use the Lord's name in vain as a prop. No. You'll get sit down. You'll get your feelings hurt quick. Now, you say, you're just, you're just a mean old pastor. I'm going to Pizza Palace after this, and I'm going to be a mean old pasta pastor. Amen. He can't run the church. He can't lead the church. He just came to the church. And you know what he did? He did what he did in public. Well, just let it go. No, I'm not letting it go. You can't let that go. You can't. You're going to curse the name of the Lord in a pulpit of Grace Baptist Church, and the preacher's just going to sit there and say, well, it'll be all right. Crazy. We're not doing that. Sometimes, more often than not, it shouldn't be public. But you know what Paul did? He did it publicly. Last thing is he, it was, perv- it was persuasive. Why? It was successful because we read in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, an account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. Peter didn't have nothing bad to say about Paul. 
And I don't have nothing bad to say about Paul. And you know what? Last thing. Preachers always say that. Pastor Lonix was probably was my best friend, and Pastor Lonix died in, uh, in, in July. Pastor Lonix's oldest son married my daughter, and some of you know Desiree. Uh, and my daughter and Pastor Lonix's son took over New Haven Baptist Church when Pastor Lonix died. Pastor Lonix was probably the hardest preacher I ever knew in my life. When I say hard, I'm talking about correction. He's corrected. He corrected. I think he just liked correcting me. Amen. You ever, you ever have some of those people that you just know that they like correcting you? But I knew the guy loved me. And he wasn't just correcting me because it was wonderful to do. He was one of the first people that the church down in Windsor called to ask what kind of a preacher I was. You know, the very people that you're fighting against and arguing with and don't like to be corrected very well may be the people that you need in your darkest hour or your greatest need. Had a lady start trouble in the church. And then when her sister died, guess who she called? Yeah. The guy she can't stand. You know what the guy who she can't stand did? <laughs> do what you're supposed to do. Help them people. We in the helping business or, what, or just correcting business. Pastor Lonix was my friend. He was the hardest guy to sit under. I, I, I don't tell people that all the time. I can do it now. I'm probably safe until I get the glory. He was hard. And the thing about it was, is I watched him straighten his wife up in church. Hey, let me tell you something about him. He didn't care who you were or what your name was. If you needed straightening out, you got it. Didn't he, sweetheart? You got, look, if Mama was acting up back there, he'd straighten her out. Sit up straight. What's wrong with you? Your parents teach you any better than that? Parents sitting right there. <laughs> I mean, he was brutal. Thank the Lord for some of them old timers, amen. That was willing to do it. If you won't take correction, you're not going anywhere. You you just you just talking. You're just talking. You're not going nowhere spiritually. Because God's got to correct us, and so does leadership. And even your wife has to correct your tail every single day. Amen. And you still don't listen. Take the correction. Be like Peter. Last thing we hear about Peter talking about Paul in 2 Peter, he has something wonderful to say about him. You know what we would say? Sucker. All he ever did was run me down. No. He knew he was wrong. And deep down inside, if we're being confronted most of the time, we know. We know. Let's all stand. Heads about eyes closed.